Hello and welcome to the Wing Women podcast, hosted by Beth Powell's and journalists Frankie Graddon, that's me, and Charlie Gowans Eglinton, that's her. It's you. Hi. Hi, Franks. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. What have you been up to? Tell me about your week. It's been a thriller minute over here, if I'm honest. Um, highlights include I bought a new sofa on eBay. Oh my gosh, which I'm so excited for you because you've been on the sofa hunt for what feels like years. It has been years. I say new, I mean new to me. It is actually from 1964. It is a Robin Day habitat design. So it has walnut planks of wood around the outside and metal legs. And then it's been reupholstered a couple of years ago by the current owners. And I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to do the contact-free eBay pickup on Friday. So this was an eBay find. How long did it take you to find it? I've been looking for ages, basically, because sofas are so expensive. Outrageously so. They really are. And quite ugly as well, I find. Really ugly or just really boring, and they're not going to add anything to the room. And I think because I love antiques so much which can be so reasonably priced, I really struggle to then spend... Well, I couldn't afford to spend £1,500 on a sofa, but I really struggle with the idea that a sofa that doesn't look that fantastic could cost that much. But it is hard with sofas to buy vintage because often they need reupholstering, which can cost the earth, or they're just not very comfortable. I've got a really rumbly tumbi- tumbly. <laughs> rumbly tumbly. So, so if that picks up on the microphone, I'm so sorry. I can't hear it. I think you're okay. I well, know, but I can hear it and I've got headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet, Tum Tum. Oh, I'm chuffed for you, Charlie. Well done. Well, good luck on the collection, on the socially distant eBay collection on Friday. Thank you. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm just, actually, while I speak, I'm just going to pour a glass of, it's an organic... Elementa Primitivo. Oh, Primitivo. Because it's been a bit cold and a bit, and very wet, in fact, and I have a skylight in my living room. So to sit under that and hear the rain Ooh. and have a cheeky little glass of red wine. Mm. Atmospheric. So it's a 2019. Uh, my parents actually gave it to me as they give me much wine because they know that's my favourite kind of gift. And it's... Beautiful. It's really, it's quite sweet. Primitivos are quite sweet anyway, and they're quite a heavy red, mm. but it doesn't have any of that heavy dryness. I always describe it as the tanniny, the like tannins, you know, it like dehydrates your tongue. Lovely and sweet and not dry and delicious. So cheers. Cheers. Well, I would like to add... Sorry, in... still, still attempting it over here. I love... <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> the bells of St. Clemens. <laughs> What are you having? I'm going to add a non-alcoholic drinking to the mix. This is quite a straightforward one, but I found very effective for getting the G&T look. It's the Fever Tree Refreshingly Light Tonic. Originally, I was actually, I bought a bottle of Seedlip to have with it. So Seedlip is a spirit, but it's a non-alcoholic spirit. It's very nice, Seedlip, but it is 20-something pounds which I think is quite expensive considering it's not alcoholic because it's just some like botanicals that have potentially just been infused into water. I thought it was like a million of them though. Oh, lots. I'm sure they're carefully 
curated and the flavors are perfectly balanced mm-hmm. and it is very mm-hmm. nice the bottle's nice so it does feel like a bit of a ritual pouring yourself a drink however i discovered that if you just drink the tonic water by itself without the seed lip it sort of tastes the same especially by the time you put a wedge of lime in some ice cubes and then a friend of mine recommended popping a few dried juniper berries in which of course is in gin you've just got those to hand have you Uh, yeah of course right the thing is though when you're not drinking you will go to the ends of the earth to procure (laughs) ingredients and make it feel like you're having a nice 6 p.m drink so that's what i've been enjoying over the last couple of weeks fever tree refreshingly light tonic water delicious do you want to try and ring your glass like a bell or just me Shit, mm. that, was, that was absolutely rubbish. I know, it's because my glass is a bit thicker than yours, so right. it doesn't have such a good... Fine. Well, there's room for improvement. Such a good vibrato, maybe? Is that the right don't. word? I don't know. Not really. Anyway, bottoms up, darling. Right. Have you put the kettle on, Ben? 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 Yes, I Have you put the kettle on? Yes. Why? What? Why? Didn't make a cup of tea. But I made you one, and I can... another one. I can hear it. God. Okay, is it finished? Not yet. I was just making you a cup of tea. It's finished. Okay, fine. You can't hear that. Yeah, I can. I could. It's fine, because Charlie was speaking, so... Sorry, Charlie. Think... You fucking should be. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. But funny. What did she say? She said, you fucking should be. You know better. Hop it. Do you want one? No. I'm fine, thanks. It's like a jet engine going off next door. Go away. Go and do some work. Sorry. Right, okay. Ask me what I've been up to. Yes. What have you been up to, Frank? I've been on social media this week. I spent a lot (laughs) of time on social media this week. I feel a bit square-eyed about it all. I love how lockdown has turned that into an activity. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What do you do do today? No judgment, because before I bought my sofa on eBay, I was going to tell a story about hoovering under the bed. So, no judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your time on social media. Okay, so I've been on Twitter, and actually, I did see this a couple of weeks ago when it first happened but for some reason it popped up on my feed again last night and it just cracked me up so I just need to talk about it um it's Nigel Slater on Twitter so he is active on Twitter he tweets a lot of his delicious recipes and he tweeted a recipe for aubergines feta chickpeas and raz el hanout and he described it as a luscious and aromatic midweek dinner. And it looked absolutely yum. And bless one of his followers, Susanna1907. Oh, name and shame. Said. <laughs> it's all, I mean, you literally just need to Google Nigel Slater, Twitter aubergine. And this story comes up. It's all over if the shop. If you Google Nigel Slater aubergine, something different comes up. So make sure you put Twitter in. <laughs> make sure you do. <laughs> Oh, Nigel Slater's aubergine. Sorry, Nigel. I'm sure it doesn't. Poor Nigel. Um, So anyway, she's put, looks delicious. If only I wasn't allergic to aubergine, I'd have a go at this. Any substitution suggestions, please? Please. Any substitution. (laughs) Sean in the room, everyone. (laughs) Sorry. Welcome, Sean. (laughs) Miss Moneypenny. (laughs) (laughs) 
any substitution. Oh, God. Any substitution <laughs> suggestions, please. To which Nige has just replied in a rather devastating blow. Susan, it's an aubergine recipe. Oh, God. <laughs> Imagine being told off by Nigel Slater. He's such... I think it's just so brilliant because he's such a quiet, gentle personality. And yet he's just, it, it, just to come back with this, just quite deadpan, very firm. It's an aubergine recipe, Susan. Fantastic. It's not all I, bad news for Susan, though, because I've extensively looked at the thread and lots of people have recommended some alternatives for her, such as courgette and halloumi. So, such as just creating another recipe, surely. Well, it What's is. Wrong with people? <laughs> Commenters on articles are absolutely hilarious because we both, as journalists, are often encouraged by our employers to go below the line and engage with these people. But what they write, I mean, you get some absolute crackers. And actually, I've got a highlight on my Instagram stories. Shall I read you one? Please do. This person has just put, in inverted commas, my full name. And then put... (laughs) So, Charlie Gowds Eglinton, lost me there. I swear the Telegraph makes these people up. Don't they have a Sophie Coots Money and a Boudicca Fox Leonard as well? Lol. (laughs) Just scrolling through my own Instagram highlight. Someone called Tom Taylor Duxbury and today's whining snowflake column is... Dot, dot, dot. Stop whinging. Just a full comment. Stop whinging from Andrew Sweeney. Perfect. Someone called George Eldridge, who's my number one anti-fan. Words fail me, although obviously not for Miss Hyphen. Miss Hyphen. Hmm. Eight people liked that one. Thanks, guys. It's rude. Simon Watson says, Wow, Charlie What's It What's It files a huge story. It's marked premium. Based on Duchess of Cambridge wears an old dress. Why do they keep him away from the real news? Oh, assuming, assuming you're a boy there. <laughs> I actually just replied with an asterisk and then her. Nice. And somebody replied to that. Yep, Charlie, look at my double-barrelled surname and I'm a big girl's blouse. <laughs> Write some real news. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> good, isn't it? Savage. Have you ever gotten some aggression below the line? Well, I, I mean, I have when... I think George might have piped up on a couple of my Telegraph pieces... I feel like George doesn't like fashion pieces, so I don't really know why he's always on the. He likes commenting on them, though. Fashion section of the Telegraph. Yeah, I feel like it's always going to upset him, so he should do himself a favour and stop. But at the pool, we actually didn't have comments on the website, so all the comments were on social media. Oh, but yes, there were various, various things that people got very upset by. I can't remember any real clangers you don't have an instagram highlight i don't i haven't (laughs) i haven't (laughs) no i haven't saved any i got to a point where i just had to stop looking because it was just too much i mean funny but also you know slightly devastating this whole new culture well it's not even new anymore of commenting below the line what is that stop it why have these people got time i'm not sure if i had a pound for every time someone wrote does Charlie Gowans Eglinton really get paid to write this tosh? Actually, wait, I do have a pound. 
because yes, I do get paid to write this tosh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Who's the fool now? Thank you for upping my engagement numbers and dwell time on this article. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been doing? Well, still on the social media theme, I have been slightly obsessing over Emily Ratajkowski. Is it Ratajkowski or Ratajkowski? M. Rata's bright new blonde hair. I was actually going to bring this up. I mean, she is possibly the most beautiful woman in the world. I just... How she is that good looking is beyond me. I just can't fathom. So she's got new blonde hair, which she can carry off incredibly well. And I'm always jealous of people who can carry off different hair colours. Actually, you're one, Chaz, because you look great as a deep brunette and as a blonde bombshell. I've seen you with both. Hair colour chameleon. Yeah, but the L'Oreal blue-black years were not kind to me. (laughs) (laughs) All is a bit strong. (laughs) But anyway, aside from all the questions, how did she get that done? Is she implying that she got it done at home? Because she's it's linked to the new Kerastar's absolute blonde range. Oh, Sponcon, I see. It was Sponcon. Well, she's the new face of. So I'm slightly confused whether she'd done it at home. If she has done it at home, oh my God, I'm so deeply impressed. If she hasn't done it at home, is that allowed? I'm not sure. It's a lot of maintenance though, isn't it? The old bleach blonde. It's got so much maintenance. I've had it. It's very exciting in the beginning, but every time you need to top it up, you're doing more damage and it's really difficult to grow your hair. And also, I mean, who can be bothered to go to the salon every six weeks? Slash afford to too much but she is just one of the latest celebs who have gone blonde because Ky- have you seen Kaya Gerber's gone blonde Kylie Jenner's gone blonde Kim Kardashian's sporting a cherry hair colour and I was reading a piece on the cut talking about all of these celebs drastic hair colour changes and they have coined it their reopening look right and what I'm wondering is Chaz are you going to have a reopening look for when life opens back up again and we can properly go outside, which is actually Saturday? Well, no. My hair currently... I actually haven't had a haircut in 10 months, which I cannot blame lockdown for, but (laughs) (laughs) I can blame lockdown for the last couple of months. I just leave it quite long between haircuts because I'm trying to grow my hair and also they're expensive and etc. However, it needed a cut in March. Now, at the end of lockdown, the ends are just feathery silliness. I look like Wurzel Gummidge. And also, I've been transitioning over the last couple of years from blonde to darker blonde, just like maybe a dirty blonde... A bronze. In my head, I'm delivering Sienna Miller, you know? Mm, Such a good hair reference. I'm just Sienna Miller. It's just happened to me. I just woke up and I'm just, huh, hi, Sienna Miller. However, a friend of mine saw a picture that was taken for an article of mine a couple of weeks ago and replied to me on Instagram to say that I looked lovely. She was very complimentary. But also, oh, you're going to stay brunette after this. So apparently... Lockdown has made me a full brunette now, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. But I haven't booked a haircut. Have you not? Because everyone's incredibly excited by everyone, my social media feed, which is everybody. 
incredibly excited that they can go to the hairdressers. A lot of salons are opening up in the next week. Are you going to be going? Are you booking an appointment? I'm not sure. I do need a haircut, but my normal hairdresser is in central London and I haven't been to central London since lockdown started. I could walk there in like an hour and a half, which I've done before. But I'm not yet at the point of wanting to go on the tube unless I actually needed to get somewhere. I wouldn't go on the tube just so I could go get my hair cut. I might need to consider a more local salon. Ideally, if anyone would like to just come and cut my hair on my balcony or I could just stick my head out the window (laughs) and they could just trim the ends off, that would be... How about you? Are you going to have a... I want to call it your relaunch look. Okay. well, I feel like my relaunch look has been boycotted by pregnancy. Mm. I feel like that's basically going to be my relaunch look, which obviously I'm thankful for. But, you know, it's not the sort of devastating makeover transformation that I potentially wanted. I don't think many people are going to have a devastating makeover transformation. And by devastating, I mean devastatingly good, obviously. Yeah, but I think most people will feel that they've just got the devastating bit. (laughs) We've been inside for far too long, stress eating. Well, yes, amen to that. Fortunately, I got my hair cut, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I got my hair cut far too short right at the beginning of the year. So actually, now I'm in quite a happy place with my hair length. What I'm slightly disappointed with is that everyone tells you when you're pregnant, your hair does super speed growing or super speed thickening. You don't lose any. It doesn't fall out. No, you don't lose any, which actually I haven't. And it is a joy not having to unclog the shower sinkhole because at the end of every week, I take out what is practically a small rat of my hair from the plug hole. Disgusting. That's really nice. But I sort of thought I might have mermaid hair by now. Sort of waist length, thick, luscious mermaid hair, which hasn't happened. It's grazing my collarbone. Well, I'm sorry about that. Maybe you could get a facial piercing, you know? (laughs) Maybe Maybe I could. Maybe I could because it will give people something else to focus on rather than like, oh my God, you've got a giant baby bump. Oh my God, eyebrow piercing. Bringing that look back. Although probably piercing salons aren't open at the moment. So you'd have to do it at home. How's Ben with a needle? He actually has experience in self-piercing. Horrifying thought. What's Mm. he pierced? He attempted to pierce his friend Dave's, I think it was his ear, in a nightclub on the dance floor. Oh, other way around. Sorry, I've been corrected. Dave attempted to pierce... Ben's ear on a nightclub dance floor. Fortunately, the need- I don't know why where they had a needle from. It was with him. Sorry, I'm getting fresh information off the press. It was with an earring that Dave already had in his ear. Oh, awful. Very Just unhygienic. Just trying to shove the earring through. Oh my god, he didn't even have any... That's awful! Oh, it makes me look crazy. I'm hoping there were some ice cubes to numb the area. Maybe he cleaned the earring in some vodka. Not sure. I think it sounds like the vodka had gone elsewhere. Yeah. I don't think it was being used as an antiseptic. Fortunately, it didn't go through, so we're all good. Right, Franks, you've also got some exciting news. Yes. Speaking of the grand reopening of our lives. Yep. Hit me. I'm... Finally, going to Devon to visit my parents. 
which actually is incredibly exciting news in these times. I feel like someone's given me a plane ticket to the Maldives for a fortnight. I am that level of excited. I haven't seen mum and dad since March, which actually for me isn't that long because they live in Devon. I live in London, miles away. So it's not like I'm used to seeing them more frequently. But you know what it's like? As soon as someone says you can't go and see that person, you are just desperate to go and see them. But also, you would have seen them more at the moment while you were pregnant. Yes, we would have made more of an effort to see each other so that they could experience the wonder that is growing a child in my stomach. And I'm so excited. We're going late Sunday night. I'm a little bit nervous about the journey because, as you were saying, you haven't gone into central London, you haven't used public transport, nor have I. I mean, the furthest I've been is... London fields on a walk with you so we were umming and ahhing as to whether to drive versus getting the train but you don't actually have a car though so you'd have to don't rent have a car. car so we'd have to rent a car which I'm sure have been cleaned thoroughly but obviously you're then sitting in one environment for many hours so I was a little bit nervous about that also the price of rental cars at the moment for obvious reasons are extortionate so anyway we've decided to get the train but I feel really nervous. I need to get to Paddington and then I need to get on the train. I'm really nervous about needing a wee, which I am going to need because the train journey from Paddington is three and a half hours. Add on an hour to get to Paddington from my house. So that's four and a half hours. My bladder just cannot cope with that length of time without having a wee. And train toilets are grimos at the best of times. So I feel really, really nervous about doing that. So I think I'm just going to have to... Obviously, I'm going to be wearing my mask. Oh, or can I just say, I've got a, I bought a really chic mask. Gingham. It's from a brand called Rewritten. It's a bridesmaid's dress label. They're beautiful bridesmaid's dresses. Obviously, they haven't been able to sell a lot of bridesmaid's dresses recently. So they've pivoted and done these lovely gingham masks. £10 each. Really nice quality. So I'm quite excited to wear that. And the money goes to charity. So obviously I am going to be wearing a mask the whole way. You've actually told me about some biodegradable antibacterial wipes that I'm going to buy for touching handles and buttons and things like that. I'll be hand sanitising myself thoroughly throughout. I need to buy a new one because I accidentally threw my one in a public bin the other day when I was at the park, which is sad. But yeah, I'm so excited, but I feel very nervous about getting there because this feels like this grand voyage that I'm going to be doing. I have a really important question. Mm. Does your pregnancy bump throw off your balance when you're squatting <laughs> for a wee? Because oh. squatting on a moving train... Oh, that's such a good question. Because obviously you can't sit on the, on the loo. No, well, you never would anyway, would you? You never would. Ooh. And you certainly don't want to hold on to those handles. Nuh-uh. I mean, you may as well just lick them if you're going to hold on to... I mean, it's a hotbed. It's a hotbed of germs. But so you already have to do quite a power stance. Yeah. And then really lock into your core to hold yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't have a core at the moment. Ben might have to come in, you know. Well, he did volunteer to come in with me to just help me out in this situation. <laughs> Bless him, a mark of a good husband who will come and assist his pregnant wife in having a wee on a moving train. Lovely. But I don't know about the squatting, actually, because I've squatted in a stationary situation, but I haven't squatted in a moving situation. So anyway, we'll find out and I'll let you know how that goes. I'm just going to have to not drink a lot of water that day. 
But the thought of getting out of London feels incredibly liberating, but I think it will also be a very, very strange experience. I, for one, am incredibly jealous and I have been feeling like this ever since people started travelling. Ex-colleagues of mine are already posting pictures from Spain or have just finished driving over to France to stay with family. I think this... I think the the restarting of holidays is so exciting, but it also is bringing back the return of FOMO. Yeah. Up until now, we've all been locked down kind of in the same boat. And yes, okay, some people were locked down in gorgeous country houses with miles and miles of green space that they can walk around and swimming pools, etc., etc. And I'm incredibly privileged to have my own space and a little balcony. But now that people can go on holiday, I think it's going to really heighten that divide almost because holidays now are expensive. I mean, you were talking about the price of renting a car. Mm. I personally wouldn't choose to go on a plane right now. And that's completely up to people and how they feel. I wouldn't choose to. But I don't have family I can visit anywhere but London a lot of my friends you're going now to Devon some of my best friends who just had a baby are potentially going to drive over to France I feel like everyone's jetting off and I am wondering if actually this period of time this summer when there's a mass exodus out of London for people who a have family houses to go to or can afford to rent somewhere if, if actually for the people left behind in ghost towns, this period might be lonelier than lockdown. We're still not back up and running to the point that you can just go to the pub and catch up with all your friends and hop on tubes everywhere and cross London. So this might actually be a lonelier period for the people left behind. I wasn't expecting any travel this summer at all. I felt like I'd written off going anywhere And it almost came as a bit of a surprise when, because my parents have been incredibly conscious of the rules, they've wanted us to come, but they have been very firm about us not coming when it wasn't allowed to. So I was very surprised when the government said you could stay with family and they said, right, come on, come down. But that's a shift, isn't it, in terms of the mindset of the people in, say, Devon, which is a huge holiday resort, but we spoke at the beginning of lockdown about how terrified they were of people coming yeah, down from London. Yeah, of people going to their second homes or renting somewhere and small communities being completely overwhelmed by so many people. And I think that probably will still happen. My parents have spoken about feeling nervous about when the holiday makers come and what is a very small, well, two very small villages close together will be completely overrun by tourists but then on the flip side of that those villages are also dependent on tourism which is this whole balance isn't it this is sort of why we're being encouraged to travel so it has taken me by surprise and I'm now thinking oh my god have I got any clothes to wear because I've essentially been wearing the same clothes on repeat for the last three months but it felt very very strange to go on my Instagram this week and see people at the beach there's someone I follow who's on a yacht and beautiful blue sea and putting those images on Instagram that we're so used to seeing over the summer any other summer it's like as soon as June hits okay everyone's doing their poolside selfies everyone's bragging that they're in this amazing resort beach location they're topping up their tan drinking rosé etc and it's been really odd 
And actually quite nice not seeing that all, all over your Instagram feed. And I was expecting not to see it at all this summer, but it definitely feels like it's sparking back up again. So as you say, FOMO, definitely. I mean, yes, I'm very lucky I'm going to Devon. And like you, I feel very nervous about getting on a plane and I don't think I will. I mean, the pregnancy thing is also playing into that. I just don't think my nerves could take it. And actually we were invited to friends in Portugal. They have a house, which is beautiful. And I've been looking at their stories of their morning runs on the beach and their pool inflatables. And God, it just looks absolutely dreamy. And even though I wouldn't do it, you can't help but feel FOMO-y. Well, and wonder if you're being silly and overcautious. Right. That's the thing, isn't it? Because I would rather be overcautious and be able to meet up with my parents and not feel like I'm putting them at more risk. But when you see everyone else just having a whale of a time on the beach and suddenly back to normal to an extent, you do wonder if you're being silly, being afraid to get on a tube for five minutes when other people are sitting on a plane for three hours. You do, but then this is... This is such a weird situation that we're in right now because on one hand, I've got friends who are in Portugal, who are in the middle of the sea on a yacht, who are driving to Saint-Tropez, lucky them. But then you switch on the news and Leicester's back in lockdown and schools are closed, shops are closed. And considering Britain is such a small place, to have these two things happening at the same time feels mad. Funnily, I spoke to a trend forecaster at the very end of last year and she was predicting the trends for 2020. Did she say face masks? <laughs> she, there were no face masks. And there, was, there was no lockdown. God, I really felt bad for her. They put, like, she's amazing. And they'd done, her company had done this extensive report and it was so interesting. And then obviously coronavirus comes along and just shites all over it. Yeah. But one trend that she did predict, which I think will come to fruition, is the staycation. She predicted it to be big for reasons such as we're much more aware of our carbon footprint and the sustainability of travel. And so train travel overtaking plane travel, staying closer to home because it's much more friendly to the environment. And obviously it's for slightly different reasons as to why we are staying closer to home. Although I do hope that we don't completely throw all of our concerns and consideration about the environment out of the window. I fear that many people who were potentially thinking we'll stay close to home and are okay with jumping on a plane are going to just be jumping on a plane this summer. But there are just the most gorgeous locations in the UK. If the summer sticks, which hopefully it does, I think next week is still meant to be lovely, then actually there isn't anywhere else you'd want to be. The Lake District in the summer, gorgeous. The Cotswolds in the summer, gorgeous. I mean, the coast of Scotland, oh, stunning. Norfolk looks like something out of where the wild things are. A forest that gives way onto this flat white sand for miles and miles in each direction. Which I've never been to. And actually, that is on my list of where I'd love to go and visit. And actually, someone I follow on Instagram posted a story of a beach in Northumberland Ooh. that was stunning. And she was swimming there last week. And it was completely deserted, unlike all of the beaches Bournemouth that are beach. within distance of London. Well, that looked terrifying, didn't it? It did. I really want to go to Wales. Isn't that where they filmed Sex Education? 
there was an area in Wales, I, I think, they? that they filmed it, and it almost looks quite American in the architecture and sort of the space. Wales is absolutely beautiful. Port Merion in Wales, oh. where they have Festival Number Six, is so stunning. It's this little Italian village built on the coast in Wales. Maybe it will be the summer of the staycation. Who knows? Are there any restaurants opened up down in Devon yet? Are you going to eat a lobster in a shack? Well, I would bloody That's love... My dream. I'd love... To... I thought you said wet dream just then. Oh. <laughs> I was like... No. Actually, Charlie, yes, there is somewhere I am desperate to go and visit. So we've mentioned several times on this podcast that one of our favourite restaurants in the whole wide world which conveniently happens to be down the road from us, is <laughs> called Jolene. And it's run by a duo who also have a restaurant called Premiere, which is also <laughs> down the road, and Weston's Laundry, which is slightly up the road. They're all conveniently placed. <laughs> so conveniently placed. But they are delicious. Anyway, such absolutely fantastic news is they've launched a place called Fitzroy, which is in Foy, in Cornwall and I am so excited to go and see it obviously it's very seafood heavy mm. and my understanding is that it's sort of a bit more rough and ready is it a lobster in a shack it is pretty much but it's quality controlled tasteful levels probably has some nice hand soap lobster in a shack it's right. that it's that sort of vibe lobster in a shack with a cloth napkin do you know what I mean is that what you're saying? Yes, which, oh, is, which is my favourite kind of rustic. So you're going to have to cross the Devon Cornwall border. Yeah, the Saltash Bridge, which is the site of my favourite Waitrose that there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> I love, walk, I love walking around that Waitrose. So we're going to do that. And then actually, also, I'm not sure if it is open. The website... The last time I checked, because I've been checking quite a lot, was saying that it's going to be open this summer. But the new pig will be opening in Harlem Bay, which is, again is in Cornwall, not too far from Padstow. And I also love pig hotels. I just think they're magic. So I'm sure all the reservations have gone quick as you like, but you can normally pop in and get lunch or dinner. So maybe like a little lunch might be quite oh, nice. Well... I think I'm definitely priced out of Cornwall and Devon for the foreseeable. <laughs> but you might just have to bring me back a lobster. I will. On ice. I'll sneak one in my handbag for you. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how hygienic that, that is. Oh, I guess you'll be coming back on the train. Sorry, my tumbly. My tumbly. <laughs> tumbly is rumbly. <laughs> it's just, it won't be quiet. It's, I don't know why it's doing it. Chaz, what are your recommendations for the week? I'm in the market for some. Well, I am reading to Amanda Ngozi Adichie's Half of a Yellow Sun. It won the Bailey's Women's Prize for Fiction in 2007. So I've got it hot off the press, obviously. <laughs> but I, I always tend to ignore the best-selling list of, of that year. I'm just contrary. And even if somebody tells me that something is a really good book, that makes me not want to read it because I like an element of discovery. Right. And I like to walk into a bookshop and just pick something up and be like, oh my God, I've just discovered this author I've never heard of. Because I'm a pretentious wanker. Anyway, so I didn't listen when people told me this was good and I'm reading it now and it's great. 
it's incredibly beautifully written and I've read her Americana before but this one is set in the 1960s against the backdrop of the Nigerian civil war it's personal stories and it's how these lives interconnect you follow a few protagonists and it's how their lives interconnect and touching love stories in in moments but it hops between the early 1960s pre Nigerian civil war and the late 1960s during so I don't want to give too much away but if like me you never read things when people tell you to then you probably won't read this now no um (laughs) but if there does happen to be anyone listening who hasn't yet read this book you should that's my first my second is a telly one so actually someone on instagram who has messaged me in the past to say that she loves some of my interiors recommendations. So she loved Living Big in a Tiny House, which is that YouTube series that I talked about on the podcast before. I have found a new one since she was asking me for a new one. Scotland's Home of the Year. Oh, this sounds fun. It's on BBC Scotland, but I've been watching it on BBC iPlayer. The final episode comes out this week. So you can binge all 10 episodes if you have not yet started it. People can submit their homes for consideration. And then each episode, these three judges, one is an interior designer, one's an architect, and one is an interiors influencer, for lack of a better word. They travel to these three houses in each area, give them marks out of 10. So these are real people's homes. Some are architect designed, some they've renovated from shells, Sometimes they've done the build themselves. Sometimes they've hired people to do the build. Some of them are tiny terraced houses in quite suburban areas that are just really amazingly decorated inside, but from the outside just look like a normal terraced house. And then some are kind of huge six-storey converted factories. So it's this huge breadth of different styles of properties. If you love nosy inside people's homes, it's one for you. And there is a flat in the west end of Glasgow, which is a beautiful area, and it is a Victorian conversion flat from the 1850s. Oh my God. The guy who lives there is an interior designer. So he's tried to restore it to its former glory. He found, when he took off wallpaper, he found original freezes behind oh, wallpaper. Wow. There's a little room in the middle of everything that has a glass roof. I mean, it's just so beautiful. It's got this glass roof and he's got all these plants and all sorts of everything. It's basically like a National Trust house, but a bit more loved because they're often a bit dusty and there's do not sit signs on the sofa. He has just restored it to this amazing, amazing space. And I was dying over that one. So... I would highly recommend it. What are your recommendations this week, Frank? So I've started reading The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. And this was a book that lots of people on my Instagram was recommending. And for bloody good reason too. So this was her first novel and it's been heralded as one of her most powerful. It's fiction set in 1940s Ohio, which is where she actually grew up. And it's set in the years following the Great Depression. The story is centred around a young girl called Pecola, and she grows up thinking and is regarded by her community and society as ugly because of her dark skin. And she longs 
to have blue eyes because she equates that with whiteness and therefore beauty. It's worth noting as well, isn't it, that Toni Morrison was actually born in 1931. So this isn't an imagined what life would be like in that part of America in that, mm. in no. that time. She lived it. And actually in the foreword to the book, she explains that the origin of the novel came from a conversation she had with a friend when they were at school. And this friend expressed the desire to have blue eyes. And Morrison explains that she just felt completely shocked in that moment that her friend wanted to make herself look so different. And she says that she experienced, in that moment, she experienced beautiful for the first time and realised that beauty was not always and often recognised by the person who possesses it. And she asks herself, who made her friend feel like she had to change herself? Why did her friend have such self-loathing that she wanted to look different? And in the foreword, she says, the novel pecks away at the gaze that condemned her. Oh, it's not a light read. It deals with racism, but also incest, domestic abuse, child sex abuse. It is incredibly well written and it's an incredibly poignant story. So I'm about halfway into it, but it is, it's really good. I've actually got two more. Right, greedy. But I won't wang on about them for too long. Wang away. My second one, Beyonce at Glastonbury. I remember watching it at the time on television and they showed it on last Friday uh, because obviously last weekend was would have been Glastonbury weekend. We would not have been there. We would not have been there. We have been to Glastonbury before, but we both managed to resist sharing a picture of us once going to Glastonbury on Instagram. Oh my God, I know. That did get a bit boring, didn't it? But Glastonbury is such a magical, amazing place. I completely understand why people want to relive their memories because it is wild. Anyway, Beyonce did a set in 2011 and I remember there being, there's quite a lot of music snobbery around Glastonbury, isn't there? Because it started off as this sort of alternative music festival and it was very much rock bands and it's become a little bit more popular and mainstream. Well, wasn't Taylor Swift meant to be there this year? Was she? Tay-Tay. But Beyonce headlined, and my God, did she prove the doubters wrong. I think it's the best musical performance I have seen. I love Beyonce anyway, so I might be a little bit biased, but I remember at the time a friend's mum saying, when we were watching it on TV, even the ends of her hair are dancing. And it was like every fibre in her body was so committed to this performance. It was bloody brilliant and I recently found out in fact yesterday when I was just googling to check it was 2011 she was eight weeks pregnant having lived through what eight weeks pregnant is like (laughs) I am full of admiration for her apparently she was vomiting just before she went on due to morning sickness and she absolutely smashed it I mean I could just about take a shower and then I had to have a lie down when I I saw you eight weeks pregnant I looked shit I you looked, did not look great. You did not look your best. Actual you were dog always shit. beautiful, but <laughs> on a scale, it was near the bottom. I was not Beyonce levels, but just watch it. It's over an hour, but I think it might be under two hours. So let's say an hour and a half. She has also had so many bangers. It's just outrageous. She does her own solo stuff. She does early Destiny's Child stuff. Say my name, say my name. Yes, bugaboo. Yes. She does Kelly Michelle 
Beyonce era, Destiny's Child stuff. I'm a survivor. It is marvellous. Put it on Friday night. Turn the music up. Have a dance. It will make you so happy. Do you know what I might do? I might watch it. I'll set up the laptop on a stool outside my shower. And then I'll stand fully dressed in the shower. <laughs> turn it on cold so yeah. I can recreate the rain. But also... The closeness of the shower cubicle will help to recreate the memories of really being sardined into a crowd in Glastonbury. Sure. You just need a warm cider in your hand. Exactly. I was just thinking, actually, maybe like a plastic Sprite bottle <laughs> filled with cider, but maybe also some vodka and some Red Bull like in the mix. Lovely. Not cold, obviously. Yeah. Just like a lukewarm. And then maybe have a wee in the loo, but don't flush and leave the toilet seat open to just really get that aroma. Well, maybe if I could do an absolutely honking poo <laughs> early, earlier in the day and then I could just leave that unblushed. <laughs> so disgusting. <laughs> like eight hours or so. Um, yeah, I think that'd be great. Oh, God. Why do we put ourselves through festivals? That's so stressful. <laughs> my third one it's Devon on Cornwall series two poor Charlie's heard me wang on about this so much because it is just my favorite thing in the whole wide world it's not to everyone's taste because it's quite slow it's an hour episode it's on channel four within the hour it follows different people who live various lives in Cornwall normally there's someone who's quite agricultural so this week there was a sheep farmer there's something to do with a fisherman so the other week there was a couple who lived on the silly isles and ran a fish and chip shop and they caught their own fish and they grew their own potatoes lovely there's roof thatchers there's clock tower fixers there's artists all sorts of different people who live in devon and cornwall and you just follow them for a little while and it's the most calming fantastic nourishing wholesome hour of television that I think you'll ever watch. It's so beautiful. Everyone is so happy to live in Devon or Cornwall. The first series, there was a narrator who had a very questionable accent that was quite distracting. This series, they've changed the narrator, which, Great. I'm, which I'm happy about. I hope the first one's not listening. Sorry if you are. God. I know, because <laughs> I've, just, I've just lagged off her voice and you can't change your voice. It's fantastic. It was just a bit distracting on television if we're doing slightly embarrassing tv recommendations that's not embarrassing i'm also happy <laughs> to report that there's a new series of agatha raisin what's agatha raisin right so you know i've got an obsession with any detective story basically so i read them all i read 1930s ones obviously i've read all the christies mm -hmm. i don't like the hard modern ones which are like James Patterson, you're not into that. I don't, I don't like tons of violence no. and stress. I don't like stress because life is stressful enough. The reason I enjoy murder mysteries is because there's a really soothing pace to them. It's a whodunit. You find out at the end, there's often a love story. Even better if it's set in a time where they're in fun period costumes. I just love them. I read them, I watch them. There is one called Agatha Raisin. She moves to a picturesque village. She starts her own detective agency. It's lots of hijinks. She's kind of just a really chic Miss Marple. Mm -hmm. 
but she's much younger and very fashionably dressed and has a very stylish bob. The vicar's wife is involved and there's a murder at a bake sale and... Fantastic. You know, there's some intrigue with the WI and somebody (laughs) poisons somebody else's jam. I know these things are not cool, but I really love them. And there's a new series. I found it on Now TV because it is made by Acorn TV, which is not a thing that I know about. I might go and watch one now. What are you having for tea? Anything good? Oh, I'm going to make... I'm hand-making... Hand-making? Hand-making a pizza. OK, you're making your own base. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, I found a recipe. I couldn't find any dried yeast, so I found a recipe for yeast-free pizza. Delicious. What are you going to put on it? I'm keeping it classic. I've really gone back to the classics of pizza toppings so i'm just doing a margarita i might put an anchovy on or two just a oh right i was gonna say just a single anchovy just a single anchovy garnish and i might put, might put a few on just for a little salty pop but um i don't know i'll see how experimental i'm feeling delish what are you having i couldn't tell you i've got some asparagus in the fridge you so always I, have asparagus will... in the fridge <laughs> it's it's a modern essential it's your go-to i Lots love it Okay, so a little bit of middle class wankery that I always have some asparagus in the fridge, but it's delicious and it's good for you and it's in season. So does make your wee smell though. Yeah, but I live alone. Sure. Also, maybe I could use that in the Glastonbury. Yeah. Setup. Perfect. Actually, it's all it's all worked out quite well, really, hasn't it? Lovely. Well, you go off and enjoy that. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and also tell your pals. And you can also find us in written form at thewingwoman.co.uk where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can find us on Instagram at Frankie Gradin, at Charlie Gowans and collectively at thewingwoman underscore. So until next week, bye. Ta-ra. Ta-ra, that's nice. Mm, like what do they say in Devon for a goodbye? I think it's just goodbye. Yeah, disappointing.